Hello everybody, this is Vid and welcome to the second episode of the Success Inspired Podcast. In today's episode, we focus on personal development and cover the topic of effective communication to help you thrive in any situation. My guest today is a specialist in the application of improvisational techniques to workplace training in both the public and private sectors. He is an artistic director of Improvention, which is Australia's international festival and convention of unscripted theatre, and his school of improvisation here in Canberra called Impro ACT offers public courses and corporate training in the techniques that make improvisation effective. He has taught United Nations peacekeepers to be culturally sensitive on international deployments, Olympic athletes to deal with off-field adversities, and help many organizations to communicate and think more effectively. If you want your employees in your business to communicate more effectively, work better as a team and thrive on changing circumstances, he can definitely help. Please welcome to the show, Nick Byron from Improv ACT. Thank you for you know, making the time today, Nick. Uh, it's great to have you on my podcast today. On a sunny Saturday afternoon. Great to see you too, Vit. Not seeing too many people at the moment during this uh, coronavirus crisis. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it feels a bit lonely, isn't it? We're all socially distanced, all stuck at home. Yeah. Have you ever done any podcasts before like this? Well, yeah, I've done... Uh, there are quite a lot of people in my field who, uh, who podcast specifically about uh, improvisation uh, theatrical improvisation. So, uh, they've interviewed me a few times too. Yeah. Awesome. So Nick, um, I know what you do, but for a lot of the listeners on that, they're going to be listening to this episode. Let's do a little bit of an introduction. I know that, you know, you do improv and, um, that's how I got to know, know you, you know, I found your course online through Tom and, uh, and that was an awesome experience. Um, but tell me, uh, how, how did you, uh, what compelled you to, uh, you know, start improv obviously looking at your linkedin profile looks like you've been doing it for for a while yeah well i i mean i started in uh traditional theater musical theater uh, music work and then a friend of mine uh started doing improvisational theater in sydney and uh was having fun and suggested that i i join it so i joined it quite quite simply but uh Maybe it's more interesting of you know what compelled me to keep doing improv. Yeah, uh, which is uh, that when I got into it, which I, I got into for uh, reasons of creating theatre, uh, was that I realised it was it was such a great tool for uh, for human interaction and uh, the positive change that it made in people is probably the glue that actually kept me doing it. Mm. Oh, that's, so yeah i mean it is it is those social interactions where a lot of people are not really good at it right and and this is a really good right. vehicle or, or a tool to improve that um i know that when i did your course um you know there was a uh, you know some of those um games that we did like the improv games i found that um you know getting myself outside of the comfort zone uh, to do you know to behave a certain way or like actually Try not to behave a certain way, just sort of improvise it, sort of think on a spot. It was, uh, yeah, it was eye-opening experience for me. It was the first time. 
Well, yeah, I think um, this is the the problem that I'm trying to address uh, in the world. You know, one person <laughs> by one person was that uh, we do live in this age of uh, technology, age of screen. Uh, we communicate through through text and emojis and so on. So uh, people have have literally forgotten a lot about how to communicate face-to-face personally and uh, improvisation is specifically that set of skills you know people are worried enough already uh, about having to speak in in public or or survive on a stage so if you're making it up as you go along uh, those are the same survival skills that we use in any one-on-one or public communication that we have in our normal life. Uh, We think we know what we're going to say and we know what we're going to do. But as soon as we go to talk to anybody in life, uh, they say something different than we expected as their answer or something like that. Something changes. And so we end up improvising. So learning the skills to, to manage all those conversations and those interactions and uh, uh, how, how we present physically as well as, as verbally uh, is the same set of skills uh, for on stage as it is for in, in real life. And this, this is what makes it different to other forms of theatre-based communi- uh, communication training because uh, life is not scripted. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's like, like walking, right? Like you learn how to walk and then, and then you just do it. You're not thinking about whether yeah. like, am I going to start my walking today by left leg or right leg? I'm just going to start walking. Right. Same thing with a conversation with a mate that you're going to meet on the street. Like, Oh, it's not, it's not like you're going to plan it. Like, Oh, I'm going to meet this, this, this dude or, you know, my mate there. Oh, let me, let me think. I mean, to, um, five minutes think what I'm going to say and, uh, and, and plan the conversation. It's like, yeah, we don't do that. Right. We just, we just do it. But, um, that's it. And you, you, you did have to learn to walk at first. That's right, yeah, yeah. You did. Uh, but if, if, as a lot of people might do now in their, in their <laughs> COVID isolation, spend a lot of time just sitting down or lying around, if you do that for long enough, then uh, your legs will tell you that they forget how to walk when you next attempt <laughs> to, to stand up. And so the same applies to uh, communicating with each other. If you don't exercise those muscles, uh, talking with each other, looking at each other, touching, uh, then you forget how to do that. And, and you become very anxious about how to do that, which is the sort of secondary problem. Now there's, there's two, there's, you know, there's many people that this is, you know, this is a natural to them. You know, they haven't really had to an improve course they they're natural way of communication with social skills from the get go, from, you know, from the, from the time they go into the kindergarten and they're able to, you know, communicate. And, and so it seems to be like certain people really excel with that and it's really natural to them, but others um, struggle. What, why do you think that is? Yeah. Well, uh, look, I, I think like, like most things, uh, there are both, uh, both uh, genetic uh, and environmental learned components to that. Uh, but, Absolutely, everyone can 
improve those skills just like anything else. So you, you might be uh, blessed with, with uh, certain gifts uh, physically uh, that are likely to make you a great athlete uh, or not. However, if you go out and uh, exercise and take care of your body, you are going to improve dramatically from the point you're at now. So it, it really doesn't matter, uh, you know, how, how blessed you are to begin with in a particular set of skills. Just making progress makes you feel a, a lot better and improves your life. So, so the answer is still the same. Yeah, I mean, it's like any muscle, right? I mean, brain is sort of a muscle. You just have to train it. And anything we yep. do with repetition, we get better over time and, and become more uh, <coughs> more comfortable in uh, in doing so. Now, You know, I, I, yeah. as an actor, I, just as a little note on that, uh, I'm uh, nearly two meters tall. And uh, most of my acting when I first started was in uh, musical theater. And uh, this meant that I spent a lot of time trying to fit in, you know, when you're doing like choreographed dance and things like this. If you're, if you're the only giant on stage, then it stands out. So uh, I, it wasn't until I was uh, performing a, a unlicensed theater restaurant uh, as, uh, as Basil Fawlty from, uh, from Fawlty Towers for a long time Right, we won't tell does, <laughs> yeah, uh, many of your listeners will. He, he does lots of silly walks and strange movements. And, and so, so sorry, who, to, who is that? The character's name is Basil Fawlty, played by John Cleese from uh, from the, the Monty Python comedy. Uh, oh, I love many Monty, of your listeners Monty Python. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome stuff. And so they're using their body in crazy ways. And it wasn't until I was playing this character, and this was maybe. Oh, maybe 10 years into my professional career as an actor that I realized, wow, I've, I've been hiding my body because I think it's, it's too large and it, it doesn't operate so well and so on. Uh, but you know what? Even if I'm not good at using it, just the fact that I now use it made my performance a hundred times better straight away. So it, it doesn't matter if you can uh, run a hundred meters in uh, 10 seconds, or if it takes you 30 seconds, what matters is that you run the hundred meters. That's, it's going to make your performance a lot better just by using your body than by trying to disguise it or mitigate it or be embarrassed by it. And it's a journey, right? You have to go through that journey to find that eventually. Like it, at the beginning, like you said, you you, you had a perceived um, idea that you you weren't comfortable with your 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 body, like you're standing out. And then eventually, I mean, it's it's why we like and and want to keep watching those, you know, um, characters on TV, those those comedians, those actors, because they're all unique, right? And so absolutely, it's nothing it's to hide. Not Everybody's. You know, so, sorry? Talk, it's not about how good they are using their body necessarily. It's, it's the, the lack of inhibition, uh, the bravery, 
You know, there was there's a movie about uh, this uh, guy called Eddie the Eagle. Uh, I don't know if you if you know about him, but he was uh, a British guy in um, let's see, it was I think it was the 80s. He was a British guy, but he wanted to uh, represent his country at the Olympics in the giant ski jump. The, uh, you know, it's called the giant, isn't the big one? And of course, this uh, isn't the sort of thing that is. Uh, well catered for in England. <laughs> anyway, he he got to the Olympics through a lot of effort. Like he must have become reasonable. Certainly the best in his country because no one else was doing it. But uh, everybody who watched that Olympics, that Winter Olympics, remembers Eddie the Eagle. When I asked them, "Oh yeah, Eddie the Eagle," because he would go off this huge jump and he would crash at the bottom. But he would keep going up there and he'd keep doing it. And then I asked them, who, who won the gold medal that year? No one. No one, unless they're a, a fanatic about that sport, remembers. So <laughs> uh, there was a swimmer at the Sydney Olympics, I think an African swimmer, that took forever to complete their race. And it was one of the great moments of that Olympics that everyone who watched that Olympics remembers watching and cheering for this person to finally make it to the end of that, that race. Uh, so you can be great and memorable just by showing others uh, and, and yourself uh, what you can do. There's a massive joy in just releasing uh, yourself from thinking that you can't do something when you, when you just give it a, a, a try. Uh, Brings up, an interesting topic, actually. Um, you know, you look at uh, like these days, like social media, like uh, Instagram, right? Like there's all these uh, Insta fame people, and um, yeah. it, it all looks very fake. Like not everybody, but um, majority does. And it doesn't it doesn't resonate with me when I see that stuff. It's like yeah, it's sort of very polished, you know, filters and all that. But you're right. I mean, all you gotta do is just be yourself. Just drop off that facade and and that's where your authenticity is going to shine a lot more and and yes yeah uh, it's it's um it's a massive key to uh communicating in a way that that makes others like you and makes you like yourself uh now um i'm very lucky i you know when the planes are working again i get to travel the world and uh uh, I, I've uh, taught in uh, about uh, 40 cities worldwide, uh, te teaching this, uh, impro these improvisational skills. And mainly I'm teaching them actually for uh, people who are interested in it as, as a theatre skill uh, when, when I'm travelling, mainly. Um, but even teaching it as a theatre skill the main difference that I've been able to make uh, with, with my set of skills for people, the main thing I get hired to do is teaching people that no matter who they are, what their skill set is, if they can be authentic on stage, the audience will like them. Mm -hmm. When they're attempting to put on, as, as I call it, a magic show, you know, hi, how are you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you've got to be pretty good 
the audience is going to have a set of expectations about how good this should be. Motivational speaker is a good example. Yeah. Yeah. But when you're out there being yourself and just, well, this is, this is who I am. This is what I've got. People can connect with you. They associate with you. They empathize with you. So uh, they have a desire to see you succeed. They, in fact, decide that you're already uh, succeeding in their, their eyes. Uh, so if you can walk out on stage in, in a short period of time, and when I say on stage, this could be for a first date. <laughs> even. Uh, <laughs> Your stage could uh, be anywhere, right? Not really a physical yeah. stage, right? If someone can decide to accept and like you within the first minute or so of, of your interaction with them, you can't go too far wrong from there because mm. uh, if you're putting on the show and you do something well, you do something well, you do something well, and then not so well, they start judging you. Plus, you can't... You out, yeah. If you've come out and you're just, just going, oh, this is me, this is myself, you when when something you do doesn't doesn't work so well their attitude changes it's not from judging you now they're like oh but my my friend nick come on you can do it they want they want you to succeed and when you next uh, uh do something more successful again their reaction is even bigger it's yes yes my friend he did it uh as opposed to expecting you're going to do something good. So, and then people just applaud politely. Oh, very nice. Very nice. This is like, uh, you know, the thing about report, right? Like what's a report? Well, report, like really clicking with somebody like, right. Like within the first 10 seconds, what is that? Well, that's basically like what you said. Like it's, it's, it's talking to another human that's there in the, like a real authentic, um, uh, uh, modality uh you know them being authentic right there there's nothing to hide and you have that feeling like oh yeah that, that just just feels like the energy feels feels good feels normal like it doesn't because you know like when you feel somebody like i don't know if somebody's trying to sell you something and they're they're putting on a show like you know they're not really they're not being yeah. themselves like they've got their own um, you know financial motivation whatever and when they talk to you, like you've got that gut feel, like yeah, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. No, you want you want them to relax as well. I, a, a lot of uh, young actors will ask me about audition technique, and mm. uh, I've been in a, a situation over my career where I've had to audition a lot of people for a lot of different shows and projects. So I know what it's like to be the person who is uh, conducting the audition and it's the same psychology there yes a certain number of people will work walk in who have the prerequisite skills and ability and a certain number don't well if you can't do the job you can't do the job if you can do the job well then what is the difference why am i going to to pick you and there are lots of reasons that I could quote, uh, that I could rationalize. But you know, the most important one is, can I hang out with this person for the period of the project? Do I feel comfortable with this person? 
do they actually listen to what I'm saying and respond to the direction and the suggestions uh, that I'm making? Mm. So, so if you can walk in, if you walk in nervous, trying to be something that you're not, uh, all these same sort of problems, you make the auditioner feel, the person conducting the audition feel nervous, suspicious that, that you're not going to be a good fit. Oh, yeah. If you come in relaxed and just present, look, this is me, either I'm what you want or not, uh, let's talk about it, then the person auditioning can go, oh, thank God, we can have a normal conversation. Okay, let's, let's uh, see what you've got. Because uh, they're putting their stakes on you, right? They're trying to fill in all the positions for the show, and they're putting all the all the bats on you, and they don't want to put somebody there that they find out halfway through the show, or if it's a tour, it's it's not going to be good, right? Because that affects the whole right. show, right? That's Especially right. if it's yes. like a, a lead color, lead character or something like that, right? Yeah, I, I'd say the the most common uh, uh, difficulty for for stage productions uh, is, is casting uh, for this, this reason. So trying to find a team that actors will describe it as that, that the cast that had that certain magic, they, they mean this rapport as yeah. you say, They'll but it, it's not, it's not magic. <laughs> it, it's not magic. It's just the choice of a group of people to all communicate in, in a positive way uh, and, and a way that actually cares about the other people, you know, this is, mm. this is absolutely key to effective uh, communication. Uh, if it's very easy for us, especially now in this technology driven age to feel like the, the world revolves around us. And so we talk about our, ourself more than the other person. Uh, if you spend more time uh, talking about the, the other person and focusing on their needs, trying to uh, uh, listen, give them the answers to what they ask, this, this sort of thing. If you spend more time on that than you do describing your own position, you will have uh, effective communication. Uh, and if you uh, and they they will like you more, <laughs> mm. but if if you um, if if you are trying to have this uh, uh, communication, it can be can be difficult. People try and learn these sorts of skills mechanically, but if you think about the people that you really care about, the people you're closest to, people you're in love with, for example, uh, well, you do this naturally. You listen naturally. You want them to realize that you heard what they said. So, so if we simply learn the skills of caring about the other person more, then we will naturally begin to communicate better as well because we will listen and observe uh, their needs more effectively. Pretty much applicable to every interaction, whether it's uh, dating or sales or... Yeah. Yeah, whatever, like Absolutely. any interaction or, or like improv, like improv, actual improv uh, show, right? Like that's so important. Com completely. Any, any type of acting. Uh, one difference between improvised acting and, and scripted acting is that in scripted acting, 
you, you know what you, you're going to do pretty much. So you've learned to play. You go in to perform it uh, for a season. Let's say it's a, a six-week season. In the second or third week, the director comes backstage into the dressing room, and I guarantee you this happens in almost every play. They'll say, okay, now it's, it's the first night for everyone out there who's come and paid to watch the show. So we, we need to make this just like the first night for us too. <laughs> the pressure's well, on. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Madam Director, but uh, I already know my lines. I know what I'm going to say. Pretty much know where I'm going to move and so on. So uh, we don't have a truthful version of this first night feel. We have to try to uh, emulate that. Mm. in some way whereas in improvised acting it is the first time it's every time it is going to be so actually you can you can do that uh, a lot more easily Uh, but if you can keep that skill set and apply it to planned interactions like scripted acting or interactions where you you think you already know what you're going to say if you can apply the same skill set then actors in scripted plays will also listen to each other more observe each other more and there will be slight nuances slight changes in the things that they do each night they won't do it exactly the same uh, every night and these will be the great performances makes no sense not the ones that are complete duplicates of the night before you're just going to sound too robotic if you're just going off strictly off the script right yeah, people can do it pretty well, but they will lose uh, a certain connection with the audience because this idea that it's happening for the first time is a lie. It's a lie. So what you need to do is make it true that it is happening for the first time. Mm. It is the first time I saw that slight change in the, in the way you reacted. Uh, and, and we can't see that if we're just doing the duplicate the magic show. It's like when somebody wears too much makeup, you're not actually seeing that person. You're seeing the design that they created that they want you uh, to see. And actually, yeah, that creates a slight psychological barrier uh, if, you, if you can't see them for who they are. Mm. What about stand-up comedy? Like a, like a solo, you know... You know, stand-up comedian on the stage. You know, typically they have their, you know, punchlines. They've got their their jokes. That they yeah. they they usually repeat. Um, yes. But those that are good that I see, like you know, like I like like listen, like Joe Rogan or um, uh, uh, what's the other guy? Anyway, you know, you see them and like they're funny. They're funny, even though they're repeating that content. They're funny. Like I don't know how they do it. Like they 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 sound very authentic, and it's as the punchlines are just great. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, if you if you have a particular skill set that is impressive. So if you if you have, in this case, uh, funny lines. Well, if you haven't heard the lines and they're they're relatively well delivered each time, you're still going to laugh at them. It's like if someone can juggle with six balls, it's still going to be quite impressive to see them juggling with six balls, no matter how many times they do it. So in, in this case, there's a, there's a special skill set 
uh, applied. However, I would say uh, the, the truly great comedians of the world uh, definitely have, a bi- have an ability to authentically interact with their audience. So look, they might have uh, a collection of, of material that they tend to repeat. But one big difference between really great comedians and the next level down is when they have an audience reaction interaction, you'll see it. So mm. for some, some comedians, it really doesn't matter what the person they talk to in the audience says. They're going to say the same insult or the same thing back to them. And you can feel that at the time. But if the comedian simply listens to the words that the audience member says and has a genuine reaction to that, they don't even have to have a good line. The audience will laugh yeah. Just by the fact that they've had a genuine reaction to that audience member in real time. And I remember, that's actually what makes improvisation entertaining. Yeah, sorry, Nick. Yeah, I, I remember when I was actually at the show in, um, in the Fox Studios in Sydney and the comedy, uh, you know, the comedy place there, stand-up comedy, I don't know what's it called now. Uh, that was a perfect example of that. The comedian was like, you know, he was reacting to some of the comments in the audience. Somebody said this and, and they reacted, you know, like just, just there on a the spot, nothing scripted. And it felt like from that moment on, it felt like no longer, like I, I didn't feel like I'm in the audience and that guy's on the stage. It started to feel, feel more like I'm in the, just in the, sitting in the living room with a bunch of people and there's that one, one of the people is just saying funny stuff. It just exactly. made you feel a lot more like part of the community. That's it. We're all in this together. I say in improv, you you have several stage partners. Uh, there's the person that you're you're talking to on stage. Uh, there's your yourself, your own psyche, and, and the audience. They've all got to be involved in the process mm. uh, for for it to be, you know, at at its peak. But uh, what you're saying about that genuine response it, it holds true for for everything a lot of people come to me talking about or, or wanting to improve their performance in public presentations maybe they need to present things at work or or uh, make public speech and so on so uh if if we think about the beginning of that speech so many people do the same thing they, they walk up onto the platform and maybe adjust their microphone and then they start with something very formal, ladies and gentlemen, whatever it is. Mm. Um, but, you know, there can be problems. So let's say you tripped on the step and nearly fell over on the way to the microphone. So you get to the microphone. Most people just try to compose themselves again. They, they adjust themselves and uh, they uh, start again as if nothing had happened well sorry something happened (laughs) everybody saw it and if you start your speech the same way ladies and gentlemen then most of the audience's focus is is not on listening to what you have to say most of the audience's focus is still wow that guy must feel like an idiot (laughs) He's just tripped on the steps. Oh, in fact, I feel a little uncomfortable being here. 
listening to him try to recover. But if, on the other hand, all you do is acknowledge and reference the trip you just had, the problem is completely solved. It doesn't matter what you say. You trip on the step, you go up to the microphone, and you say anything that admits to it. Mm. You say, you know, watch that step. You know, <laughs> I told them to fix that. Uh, ouch, and you get a laugh, or, huh? You know, anything, anything. Then the absolute opposite happens. It's not just that you solve the problem and you can start again. It's much better than that. You can thank yourself for tripping over because now the audience has done just what you said happened uh, to you uh, when you were in the audience. The audience has now accepted you as a human being, decided that you are part of a community. You're in this together. You know, you're, you're their friend and they're ready to hear what you're about to say twice as much as if you'd have made no mistake at all. So true. I was going to say that what human makes you more human. Just acknowledge those funny moments and make, make a fun out of it. You actually get good crack out of the audience, everybody laughing and boom, that's going to make you also more relaxed. If you felt any, um, what's the word, um, you know, um, stage fright. Yes. Right. You, you, you don't have to be, uh, you, you don't have to be perfect. People, are afraid to say things like, I don't know, when, when someone asks a question uh, or that they're going to make some sort of mistake. You don't have to be perfect. In fact, you almost need to be imperfect. Perfect is very suspicious. Mm. <laughs> it's very unlikely uh, that, that uh, someone who sounds like they know what they're talking about knows everything. So, when you don't know something and you admit it, you say, I, I don't know that, but I'll look it up. Well, it just improves, uh, it increases how much they believe the things that you said you did know about. Mm. So even if you're the person at work uh, who has been assigned to do the PowerPoint presentation tomorrow about something that nobody in the office knows anything about, but they've said, you, Vit, you're going to come and do this tomorrow. So all you've got time to do is go home and Google the subject. Okay, growing wheat grass. Okay. <laughs> you, learn, you learn three things that you can remember. You go back in the next day and you tell them what you learned from Google. They are going to respect and listen to that more, a lot more than if you go in pretending you're an expert on wheatgrass now and give them 500 facts, they're going to go, wait a minute. None of us knew anything about this yesterday. <laughs> this, I don't trust this. I'm going to have to look it up myself. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And um, back to um, my experience with improv, the number one thing that I took was that because it's all improvised you don't know like what's what's the next thing right it's so you can only react to the next thing so that it sort of falls in place is the listening part it's like i know like when you gave us a a theme like uh it was me and uh 
say Tom and and the theme is very simple, right? It was just like, oh, you guys are at a, I don't know, at a resort and um, I don't know, say water. There was a um, you know water leak and you're waiting for it to get fixed. That's that's all we knew. And then boom, and then we had to go in and and start improvising about that situation. And if I didn't uh, follow or listen to say what Tom says, um, then my reaction wouldn't be natural, and and it wouldn't be it would look awkward to the audience too. It just wouldn't work. Yes. It, it, it makes it difficult for the other person. Uh, that too, in, yeah. In how do they, yeah. How do, how can, how are they going to like react back because I'm completely irrelevant? Yeah. Generally, if, if uh, we listen to the other person and, and observe also, and in the next thing that we say, uh, it includes some of that. We, we, mm. we remark by repeating some of it back. There's, there's a word from what they've said in, included or, or an inclusion of something you've observed about what they've just done uh, physically. If, if you don't worry about the big problem of creating some sort of grand story or uh, achieving an outcome that, it, that you wanted, but all you do is that, all you do is listen, observe, and take a little piece of what the other person has said or done and include it in the next thing you say, I guarantee you, you will get so much further in that conversation. It will, it will flow. The other person will find it easier to respond to. Uh, and, and they will begin to like you because you are showing your interest in them. You're proving to them that you've listened and observed. So, it, it doesn't take much actually to uh, achieve an objective. Let's say you, you, you wanted a job. If you spend uh, you know, 19 of the 20 things you say to the job interviewer, uh, you're saying and doing things that make them uh, like you and, th- and think that you're a cool person, and then the last thing you say is, so can I have a job? then I think your uh, success rate is going to be a lot higher than if you spend most of your interactions telling them, I'm good at this, I'm good at that, I can do this, I can do that. Uh, you, you, know, don't, you don't need to uh, go straight for the, the jugular vein mm. in, the, in the neck. You uh, just establish the rapport with, with someone. Uh, and then they will pretty much want to uh, commit to, to your needs and desires in the same way that you're showing you want to commit to theirs. Especially if it's like in a customer care type business, I don't know, hospitality or, or fitness, right? Where you're dealing with people on a daily basis. If, you've ha- if you are hiring somebody like that to join your team and join your organization, that, you know, that person then to... Uh, communicate with your clients, look after your clients. If already at the meeting, they're not showing that authenticity and they can't really click in with you, that's it. It's like, there's yeah. no point. And uh, we do a lot of, uh, we do a lot of uh, corporate or organizational training with the, with the Impro. And if you, if you are starting mock uh, scenarios where an organization or a group of people have an objective to achieve 
this I found is almost always the the biggest problem in a group of people trying to achieve an objective is that they will go straight to trying to achieve the objective far too soon. Even though they may have been trained, told that what they should do first is establish rapport and trust, uh, and perhaps they're told, oh, you should use, you know, the first whatever percentage, let's say 30% of your time establishing rapport and trust before you start talking about, you know, the objective. The, the vast majority of groups of people will not be able to wait that long. They mm. will try to get to the objective sooner because they are just too scared that they're not going to achieve it. Not, not realizing that the time you spend establishing the trust and rapport is doing exactly that. It, it's one of the most important things to achieving your objective. Plus the other thing is if it's an objective that, you know, that's been assigned to the whole team, what typically also happens is you get, um, unless you get one that stands out as a leader in that, like in that team to then lead the everybody else and, and make it work together, it's very hard otherwise, because then you just have a team of people and they're all sort of, um, or, or you have the other example where you have, um, people who don't really work well in a team environment and then they start, they decide to do something. I'm just going to do it myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, uh, it, it, it becomes, uh, competitive mm. and, uh, it's, it can be very damaging. You know, I know from there's, there's one exercise I won't go into too much detail with, but it was for a, a government department where, uh, we, uh, the, the actors, are uh, pretending to be inhabitants of an Island that doesn't speak, uh, English. They don't speak much at all. Uh, they're not technologically advanced and so on. And the group needs to come on and uh, achieve uh, an objective by the, the end of the day. Um, so they're trying to in, interact with you. Yes, these, uh, the, these people that rush to it, become competitive, think they'll do it on their own, whatever, that they don't present well. The, the people who spend time getting to know you actually present a lot better. And you, you want to achieve the negotiation with those people at the, at the end. Uh, it, it's, you know, it has quite a, quite a clear effect. And the competitive behavior within group creative meetings is another example of this. In companies, it's, it's extremely common that uh, when they have a creative meeting, they'll go around the table each person will give their idea of what's a good idea. And then pretty much they just vote on whose idea to go with. And that's their creative meeting. Uh, actually, you want to be tossing around all of the stupid ideas, interacting with short offers, short, uh, not whole ideas, just pieces of ideas. Um, and it, it, in this way, you will generate an, an amalgam, a synergy of, of ideas, stupid ideas will create unexpectedly good ideas 
uh, and and so on. Um, but if you compete to see who's got the best whole idea, it won't won't be the most nuanced, effective solution in the end. It's just promoting more competition in a team, right? What you want, like you yeah. said, you want what you want for them to get out of the experience is they're bouncing ideas of each other. They're expanding on those little ideas. Everybody adds a little bit to it, and it feels like teamwork. It feels like we all did it together. We're all and it's it's more fun. It's you know, more fun. Yeah. Fun and work are not opposites. You know, if if you've got a group of happy, positive people having a good time, they will want to do the job. If uh, if they're hating it, they don't want to do the job. <laughs> they just oh yeah, if it's yeah. yeah. So and, and and like if they have a bunch of ideas, but like at the end, uh, everything is sort of dismissed, and then it's just that one idea. You're not going to be invested to to follow through. You're not going to put like you you might do it because oh, you've just been told to do it, but you're not going to be invested fully as if you were, you know, as, as if you did it together with the team and came up with the idea together. It's like oh, this is our cool idea. We're going to do it together. You're going to be a lot more invested in that, right? Yes, and and it will affect your attitude to all the future interactions about other projects and other ideas and so on. Mm. Yeah, that was a good example. I like that. Um, now, in this podcast, I like to not only like you know just have a good chat, but um, um, I've got also a couple of questions that I you know, typically ask. Like I haven't really had to use it so far. I've been really focusing on sort of improvising more and just really focusing on you and having this conversation, which has been good. And we're at 50 minutes. Would you believe it? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So my, my, um, my oldest podcast, the, um, the last time I did it was 110 minutes. So, uh, we're, we're getting pretty close to maybe be the record. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a couple of questions I just like to cover for, for the listeners. Um, it's simply because, um, there are things that, um, that I enjoy doing, uh, one, you know, being like, business, um, business solutions at you know, whatever type of business. Um, and also sort of tying into, you know, healthy lifestyle. So the first question be about a healthy lifestyle. How do you keep fit, Nick? Yeah. Well, at the moment, I'm not doing a great job here in my isolation mode, but it does remind me of, of just, uh, very simple things. Uh, normally I have a quite active lifestyle because I'm out of the house. I'm, I'm teaching classes, which are often quite physical, uh, you know, quite a few times a week. So uh, I haven't had to, I'm, I'm traveling a lot. Uh, uh, so often I'm already quite, quite active. Mm. Uh, during those times, when, when, when your routine changes like now is, is the, the difficult time, now, I, I would say, look, when I'm overseas and I'm in a foreign city, uh, one of the things that I, I do um, is, uh, and this is for psychology as well, is I walk the city a lot. So uh, I, I will walk just very long uh, distances. Well, you know, for me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, Usually the social environment is actually quite insulated. It's very social because I'll, I'll be the guest in that town and, and people want to talk to you. They want to take you out and so on. But, you know, it's all about improvisation. Hmm. So at the end of the night, it doesn't matter what time it is, how late it is, 
what kind of city it is, uh, I will leave the group and instead of going back to my uh, hotel, I will go for a very long walk in th through the city. When I say very long, I say maybe maybe uh, to say ten kilometer walk, say, uh, and uh, uh, it might just be that that's all it is. The city might be closed, but the other thing that happens is adventures occur. I <laughs> I will walk past somewhere and go, what is that? And I will go in and see what it is. Or I will pass a person on the street and they will talk to me for some reason and, and so on. Uh, so uh, it's healthy physically and psychologically. And whilst I may not have been doing uh, what might be considered a great exercise regime during our uh, coronavirus lockdown, <laughs> What I, what I do know is really important that we should all do because we are still allowed to. It's a, it's a, a, uh, it's a need, regarded as, as a need, is go outside. You know, we, we, can, talk about, uh, we, we can talk about a whole uh, system of exercise and sure, hopefully people will do that. I, I know that's one of the things that, that you do and that you talk about a lot and people should do it and that there will be a percentage of people that just won't bring them won't bring themselves to do it no matter how needed it is but you know what they can get up and walk out the front door and just if you if you do that regularly uh you know maybe uh i remember when i was having a difficult time some years ago psychologically I just made an effort that every every night before my evening meal, I would leave the house and I would would go for a walk, even if it was reasonably short, but it was regular. It was a routine. So have have a routine and go outside. Uh, it it will be something physical you did that day, and. Just connecting with the with the real environment rather than the enclosed environment is one of the healthiest things you can do psychologically, and one of the first things a psychologist would suggest to you if you were having a hard time. I think it's a form of therapy as well. I mean, just going out for well, like I started going out uh, in here, and you got a little bit of a hill here in uh, in Quimby, and, and just yeah, just walk it up. It feels great, and you walk through the nature. I'm fortunate that you know, there's a hill just really close and no, maybe five minutes by car or sometimes I cycle through and then just get to walk through the nature, just disconnect from, from all the digital stuff because I guess I'm not alone, but we're, I think I wouldn't be alone here saying that um, we are experiencing a lot more screen time that now we're at home. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I wonder what the, uh, you know, we're building new sets of skills. We're finding new innovative ways to interact. But but obviously, from the things that I've been talking about, uh, there's less direct uh, personal interaction. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder at the end of it, you know, what the balance is going to be between people uh, going, yay, I'm free. Now let's get out and interact with each other. Or in fact, whether it's going to be twice as difficult to get people to interact with each other 
because of the anxieties and the, the new ideas that they've they've built up? Are they still going to maintain a distance from each other because they're suspicious that something bad will happen if they get mm. uh, close to each other and, and so on? So talking about that second wave and fear of that second wave, right? <laughs> yeah, but not just uh, not just of uh, fear of the virus, but just we're learning a new set of behaviors mm, that yeah. makes us even less likely to engage with uh, people. Uh, and when we talk about habits, right? Habits takes about yeah. six weeks. So we're, we're in this for more than six weeks. We'll be, oh, yeah. definitely. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then um, talking about screen time, you can also maybe distinct by saying, yeah, well, there's a, there's a really bad screen time. And there's, there's still screen time that is still a beneficial to you. Like this, for example, like we're having a real interaction with a real human as opposed to scrolling through YouTube and just going, just, just uh, munching on all those videos, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. It's the, the actual interaction. So from a, uh, when you talk about fitness and wellness, well, obviously, uh, you know, uh, mental well-being is something that is uh, involved in the, in the things that I do. So uh, absolutely uh, talking, talking to people, uh, you know, video calling them, is great, but even just talking to them, uh, you know, more than you're just writing messages and 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 avoiding it altogether. To, uh, yeah, any interaction you can have will will help. Yeah, we did a good experiment the other day. Of a bunch of my mates, we said, okay, we're gonna do a workout, and we just you know had a, a three you know three people on the same phone call. We didn't get to see each other. But we just you know all put our uh, earphones in and then um you know we just found some sort of workout on youtube that we just followed um so we all start press play at the same time and then it was like 20 minutes workout we all worked out together at the same time even though everybody's somewhere else just high just by having them in my ear like hearing them they're working out real time i'm working out real time again it added that level of social interaction and getting the workout done which was pretty good <laughs> great so so you know, I saw you sent me something the other day that, that looked suspiciously like, uh, you know, a lot of people working out. It was a, oh, the push-up push challenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what I, what I could do is actually I could just make the noises, right? You know, I could just go, oh, oh, oh. And look, I'm, I'm exercising my lungs, uh, you know, my comedic skills, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. No, if I do it, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Full commitment. That's the way. Now, I know that you're passionate about what you do, but um, we all have to make a living, right? right? So it's also it's also a way of earning income. Now, you run ACT Improv, which is your your organization, your business, right? Yes. What's the hardest thing you've had to overcome running this business so far? Hmm. Uh, well, this particular business, uh, I, I would say um, I'm I'm pretty ambitious, and I have big, big ideas. So I'm always creating projects that are, uh, you know, beyond my resources. And sometimes, uh, so, sometimes they make it anyway, and sometimes uh, they 
lose money. So it's a challenge, but I think, again, the challenge is uh, a, a psychological one. Mm. So uh, what I would say, and, and you know, this, this may relate to if you're, if you're asking about uh, advice you'd give to people in business is that, that you just go for it because over a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a youngster anymore. And over a period of time, you, you find out what, what a lot of entrepreneurs would tell people, you know, the, the one good idea, the one that you could pull off, it, it will pay for the four or five that didn't work. Mm. Uh, and so whilst it can feel, uh, very difficult when you're when you're in your most challenging period, whether that's uh, financial or whether that's getting the respect of your peers or building your audience, whatever it is. Uh, at first, in, in in your early period of business, this seems like a very difficult time. Uh, you know, you you question yourself, but after a long period of time, you've had some great successes. And you've had some failures and so on. And, and you realize you're just in a curve. It goes up and it goes down and life continues. And uh, so running a business is, is different to the, uh, the stability of the same income and similar pathway, perhaps, through, through a career as an employee. Uh, but uh, over time, yeah, it, it evens out. If you, if you do what you actually are passionate about, this is extremely important. If you choose something because, just because you think it will uh, make money or because it's something that people have told you is a good skill set for you, this won't necessarily do it. If, mm. if you love the thing that you're doing, you will probably find a way to make it work. And since the only, way, only reason you're doing it in the first place is to achieve some sense of self-satisfaction or, or you know, uh, success, uh, then it's pointless to do something that you're not enjoying just for what you perceive as a, as a cash outcome or something like that because it won't achieve that goal anyway. You're better off just getting a job if, if, you're, if you're in that state. You, you, you want to do something, if you're going to start a business, start a business in something that you damn well enjoy doing. Yeah. If, if you don't enjoy doing it, but you just think it's going to make money, it's not going to satisfy you, even if you make a lot of money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I like what you said at the beginning is like a lot of times you, you know, you had a big, big, um, you know, you've set goals that were really big beyond what you've, thought it's possible but then a lot of times you've managed to succeed on those right it's it's oh, well you know I, overall uh you know it's like that saying if you you know reach for the stars and you only reach the moon well it's pretty good you you made it to the moon you know it's pretty good that's so, right <laughs> uh so there are plenty plenty of stars that i didn't reach or burned me up when i got there but uh but you know, I, by by having that attitude, I've done some pretty good moon work. You know, I've got got to uh, travel the world and be be uh, 
known and respected by people in my profession in different places around the world. I, I never would have believed that would have been the sort of uh, uh, thing I, I would do. I've, I've got to run a, uh, a festival that has attracted people from all over the world in, in the area that I love. Uh, in the corporate area, I've got to uh, uh, teach uh, Olympians uh, and United Nations peacekeepers and so on. So uh, whilst there are always goals that I've either failed at uh, to date or, um, or not reached uh, along the way, Along mm. the way, really, really good things happen. Happen, and yeah. It's it's up to you to choose your own response to that psychologically. So some people can remain really anxious and down on themselves because they didn't reach that one particular goal, or you can give yourself an even break and you can look back on, wow, you know what? I actually did just the little things. I wanted to start a business. I registered my business name today. Tick. You know, <laughs> I got my first client. Just, yes, I did that, you know. Um, and so being in your own business can provide an extreme sense of satisfaction that you cannot get in the same way, at least, uh, as, as an employee, you are responsible for your successes and failures, but it's also up to you what your attitude towards them is. Mm. Uh, I don't think so many things are failures now. And if you've been in business for a while, uh, then most people in that situation will tell you uh, that the cost of of an employer buying back your time to tell you what to do each day is much, much higher than your wage. So uh, the greatest thing that you achieve is, is independence in designing your own day. Unless they've got a really good systems in place that can automate that. Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm open I'm open to offers from employers that might be able to make me feel as good. But yes, it it would be a much higher price uh, than the amount that I earn for myself on an average week to mm. become an employee again. That would be a much higher price. Yeah. I think this is perfect for our ending. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, it's been great to to talk to you a bit. I mean, I've got to see a human almost live uh, because for those of you listening, we're, we're actually having the conversation on, on Zoom, even though you might be listening to an, an audio file. So it's a highlight of my isolated week, Vid. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm great. I could be your highlight <laughs> today, Nick. That was really good. We actually are at one hour and seven minutes, so we're going to hang Oops. in there for another three minutes so we can break the record. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, anybody listening, Nick, you've got a couple of things um, that you do, and some of them obviously right now are impacted by the COVID-19 that you can't yeah. really realize, but... um. Is there anything that you'd like to offer 
to our listeners that they can, I don't know, is it some sort of an online resource or, uh, or even at a bare minimum, maybe like a, a way to connect with you for more information? Yeah, what, I, what I would suggest, as you say, uh, we, we are having downtime. Uh, I thought about, uh, and, and probably will uh, very soon be making some uh, particular online uh, product offers. Uh, but, you know, I, I saw everyone, like you said, all these people <laughs> getting up online and doing things. And I looked at them and I thought, you know, what people are doing is, is offering slightly lesser products streamed than what, what would have been live. And what I didn't want to do, particularly since uh, the improvisation is so based on human interaction, I didn't want to just offer something that wasn't as real, wasn't as good. So uh, I've actually uh, uh, applied for some funding for a project to, uh, to try and spend a little bit of time making my online products uh, of, of, you know, as much as I can, as much value as, as, as it can be, rather than just jumping up and uh, singing a funny song on a ukulele and hoping someone will... <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'll do that too because I need the cash now. Uh, but uh, uh, but beyond that, of course, uh, uh, the the regular face to face activities will restart at, at some time. So, what I would suggest is really, if people just uh, like some of the pages on social media, is is the way to do it, and uh, then they will will see the offers when they come up. And if they mention this podcast, I'll give them a special deal. You see, I put on my, you know, fake voice that it just wasn't as, wasn't as authentic. So what I will say to them is, <laughs> if they mention this podcast, we'll come up with a solution. We'll come up with something. Know, yeah. Like humans. Together. I can put it, I can put it into the show notes afterwards, whatever, whatever that is yet. Yeah, but they can find us, uh, say, on Facebook. Impro Theatre ACT is probably the best page uh, for for them to to look at. Or they can write to me, admin at impro.com.au, and uh, and I will send them back a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Nick. Well, once again, this was a good quality conversation for an Did hour. Did we get there? Did we get over 110? Yeah, one ten twenty two seconds right now. So give yourself a button on the shoulder, mate. <laughs> great, awesome. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Okay, thanks for talking with me, Fit. Uh, it's been great. Awesome, thanks, Nick. Okay. Cut. All right, hey Nick. Okay, hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now, like, we're after podcast. <laughs> this is the behind the scenes yeah, conversation. So, um, with your online online course and stuff, have you have you have you had much uh, thought what you wanted, like how you want to do it, what you want to do, or did, and do you still need my help? Or yeah, well, the idea is uh, um, uh, definitely what I want to to do is spend at the moment. I'm just spending time working out ah, how am I going to get through all this, uh, but. Uh, as, so I want to do the online course. Anyway, but if the uh, funding comes through, then that will sort of look after my time and living expenses a little bit, yeah. uh, which means that I can actually 
devote time. So, uh, so yeah, I want to do. Um, I want want to create a, a course structure that it that is different and designed to be uh, useful online. You know, I I think uh, yes, what I can do for for groups to use in future is yeah. like we were discussing demonstrations of things that they can do with their group live. But now I'm thinking more about let's really think about what people can do uh, as individuals, uh, just in pairs, uh, the sorts of courses that can be uh, useful to them uh, personally. So not, not necessarily just improve, but communication skill wise overall. What I can't do right now is get a group of people to together to create a demonstration of a group activity, even a pairs activity where people are touching is, is, you know, tricky and people can't practice it. So in the long term, yes, I want like a normal, normal course structure into the future. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking what, what is good now is, is products that might be good in the next, uh, that, that people can use anytime, anytime. So it's going to take a little bit of design, but things people can do on their own. So one thing uh, that I had in mind, have you, have you seen the, the masterclass type of thing? It's a, like a, it's a website. It's called Masterclass, uh-huh. and they've got all the oh, I, famous actors. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, it comes up a lot in the arts, and and it's like it's you know it's a, a high, you know, high very expensive type of production. But it, it's basically it's the subject matter expert, well positioned on the camera with you know with a good um the what do you call it the um what's the word. It, they're positioned well on the camera with good lighting yeah, yeah. and that sort of stuff, you know? Uh, and that's it. And then basically just covering the topic. So it doesn't necessarily have to demonstrate anything. You're just covering a, like a mini lessons, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so it's more, more of a talk, is it? Yeah. Yeah. More of a talk. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I think I would like to, to do those. Um, uh, it could be conversations with one other person uh because we can do that right if it's yeah yeah in the park uh, two people talking and and actually there are there are quite a lot of things that i could also do in in a pair uh with with an actor that would be okay um and whilst you know wouldn't necessarily be able to do something you know so so yes i think those sorts of things that you can do on your own but there are also there are some physical, there are some exercises, of course, that I can uh, demonstrate that people can practice on their own uh, or just with, with a partner or something like that. Um, so I want to do that. Uh, and I want to uh, document, and I guess this could be audiobook style, um, I want to document my body of work, you know, because uh there's a lot of things that if i don't start documenting will just sort of like disappear into the history of stuff i did that i can't remember anymore yes um so 
so yeah, literally a good opportunity just to literally just document stuff and get it up. Uh, could be, could even be in text, could be as an audio book, uh, could be any, anything like that. Um, I also have, I have a, Nice yeah, I was going to show you. Um, I actually so there are a couple of things that were invested in uh, earlier this year, uh, mainly uh-huh. for the podcast because you know originally the podcast here is the idea here is that you know meeting people face to face and I wanted to have good audio and but also good video. So I got this mm-hmm. this Canon um, camera which has got a little flippy thing and you can do this and and you can see uh-huh. yourself in the picture as you're talking to the camera and then. I bought a set of these microphones. So there's sort of like a lap earlier mic. So you've got a transmitter and the receiver yeah. and you just clip one over the t-shirt and the other one you just slide onto the camera. So yeah. you get a good quality audio. So I've got the equipment needed. You've got the gear. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Um, and I mean, I also have, uh, there's another guy, a guy I made the feature film with um, who, uh, uh, can help as well. So if we can, um, so ideally, yeah, you'd want to have more than one camera. Like if you want to make it look a little bit more premium, you wouldn't have one camera from like two different angles. And when you edit it up, it looks more like, like a yeah more professional interview or like a presentation kind of thing. And we can go into an environment. I know that, uh, for example, uh, you, you know Smith's in the the bar in town that has all the music. Smith's. Nah. It's near the near the post office. Okay, so it's a it's a cabaret live music venue which obviously can't operate now, mm. but they are looking during this time to uh, get people to do streamed things and and so on. So there's a little stage there. It looks like a performance venue. Uh, oh yeah. So so we can't get into um, probably not. I haven't asked, but well, we you getting can. into the big big theatres is going to be difficult. But this one is going to be easy, and I think it looks fine. I was going to uh, say that's what they do in Czech Republic right now. There's um, a theatres and they're doing the shows through live stream. They just live stream shows, and people pay for them to watch live. Yep. So uh, I think. The other need, day, yeah. um, uh, I saw a really great thing. Uh, there's a, a a small professional theatre company in Sydney called called Redline, and uh, they just did a play reading um, with uh, uh, Zoom or something. It's a three way split screen. Oh yeah, uh, they just well, did a play reading, and, and uh, it had um, oh god. What's his name? Uh, who, who's the actor from that play reading, Nick? Uh, I've just I had a mind blank. The the actor who was in the play reading, remember? I... Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake. Anyway, it slipped my mind. But they had a really right. famous, really great American actor and then two, two, two Australian actors, uh, and, you know, obviously the two Australian actors were in their homes isolated in Sydney and he was in his, in, in the States and they did a, a read, a re, you know, so they acted a 
a play, but as a read. So it's a really simple idea. Yeah. Um, well, the uh, good thing about this thing, this Zoom thing, like right now, there's just two of us, but this thing can actually handle 100 people at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. Um, to to interact, yeah, like 100 people to interact, you know. <clears throat> but uh, but I think I I think there's a um, sorry, what's that? Alec Baldwin was the yeah the actor yeah. Um, I've seen some oh, yeah, funny stuff. Yeah, I've but seen some. Could, sorry, go ahead. I can do like uh, you know I can get another like international guest from somewhere in the world and just do a, a a split screen. Just it's an improv, but it's more of a conversation. You know, a lot yeah. of American improvisers uh, don't do much physical work anyway. Frankly, they just pretty much just stand on a stage and talk to each other. So. Um, it's not my favorite type of improv, but there's there's no reason why it can't have like a conversation. You know? and, and you can make it look more real. Like I've seen I've seen things where, like, say there is uh, ten, you know, faces here, and say mm. somebody's above me, so I'm like, you know, like look up and yeah, how are you? Or like, hey, Nick. So <laughs> you know well, what you I mean? You can do the if you've got someone in uh, controlling the the vision switching. Just going from, oh, it's your head, now it's my head, now it's your head in the conversation. It's just like having a two-camera. Uh, oh, yeah. like so, a- you know, you, you, what is your view right now? Like in the top right corner, you've got a speaker view and then you've got a gallery view. Which one have you uh-huh. got now? Uh, top right gallery corner? Gallery view, yeah. yeah. Oh, right, yeah. So if you do a speaker view, that, that's, that's what it looks like. Yeah? Like now I'm talking, but if you start talking. Right now there's two of us, yeah. I see. So it switches between who's talking. Uh, two, two of us, but can I go just me? And oh, yeah. So you got to switch it to the speaker view. So up the top right corner, if you change it from uh, the gallery. When I go to speaker view, oh, I see. And then I press myself or? Oh, no. So was, who are you? Can you see how it's switching? When I between? hit speaker view, it just shows. When, uh, when I've got gallery view, it just shows you. When it goes to speaker view, it shows both of us. Ah, okay. Maybe, uh, maybe maybe you've got a diff- maybe it looks slightly different because I'm the organizer of this thing, and then you're. Um, the oh, attendee. yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe. But but yeah, there's a way just to really simply switch the vision. Mm. And if people are watching that, if other people are watching that, then then it's just like having a, a two camera. You know. Yeah. Particularly if we were if we were in the same environment and you had the uh, the split screen version. And like you say, we're just sitting, you know, at a cafe table, having yeah. a conversation with each yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even fun. even in a different environment, it still actually it still actually looks all right. But if you know, if we're both in a similar environment, you know, then it's possible. I've seen people like even like you know doing like a comedy style, like you know, I've got a book here, and then like I throw it towards you and then somebody oh, <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah sure <laughs> uh, so yeah yeah we could have a lot of fun with it and i don't know maybe my friend with the feature film he's got like green screen and all this sort of thing too so maybe uh maybe there's way that the backgrounds can be edited later anyway oh uh, well look look at this 
So there's a thing called choose virtual background, right? So I can basically transport myself to... Uh, now, it doesn't really work properly because yeah. I, I haven't got a green screen behind me. But if I did, whatever I'm yeah. putting as a background, that would be my backdrop. It's already done. I, I can yeah, I myself need a, into it. I need a different browser, I think, to do that. Yeah. Like um, I, 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 we, we're doing like a Friday catch-up drinks with a bunch of friends from uh, this business networking group. And uh, some of the guys, you know, they've got the green screen behind them, and one of the guy here, the green screen, it looked like, uh, like he's in a, uh, like in a dungeon, like some sort of a, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a sex dungeon, like he had all the different tools and like chains and shit. <laughs> it's like what's, what's going on there? Oh, mate, I'm just my downstairs here. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So cool. All right. Anyway, well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll get back to you when I find out. It'll only be like a couple of weeks I'll know uh, how I'm going with that funding. I mean, I definitely want to start getting up. Uh, Some sort of a plan. Maybe put a courses. plan behind like the individual because you would want to do them as lessons and then maybe after every other lesson have some actionable for the person doing the course to do, right? Yeah. Um, they could because, even go, yeah. Yeah, because people are I, – I think the online course is better uh, to do because – at the moment, people are like streaming performances and things like that. I think it's better just to have a, like a, 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 a spend the time available now to create a permanent product. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a website. I can, I'll send you a link. There's a, a software website, subscription-based, that allows you to develop these courses. And it's, it's done in a way that it's really easy. Mm. All you do is... You know, you just give titles to each individual lessons. You can put, you know, the descriptions. You can put little quizzes. And then you just upload your video into each lesson. And it's done like a drop feed. So when you, when it launches, when um, when somebody's doing a course, um, they cannot do the next lesson until, until they've finished the first lesson and completed a quiz or some sort of actionable. And then it yeah. drop feeds the next lesson, but maybe not the same day. They have to wait until day two and that sort of stuff. So it's like a series, mm-hmm. say like a 30-day series. And what's really cool about this, um, this particular um, uh, software that I know of is that you can you know, simply put a gateway. So basically, you've got a sales page of the course and you can have um, you know, multiple courses shown, uh, like a, like a menu of courses for Nick Byron mm-hmm. and all the courses are there and they just pick and choose which, which one they want to do. They click next and then they just, you know, it just asks them to put a payment information through. So it's got a proper paywall until they pay and they can't see more, but you know, you, you, you'd put, you know, on your sales page, you put a little, a teaser video maybe about the course, what they can yeah. expect, you can put all the information and then they pay and then they access the course and then boom. And then they, they are doing the course. And the nice thing about that stuff is once you put the work into it, once you've done it, that's it. It's set and forget. And it's a, it's a revenue, uh, what they call it. Uh, yeah. Revenue streamer. Uh, okay. yeah. Um, you yes. don't have to do anything that works, makes you money when you sleep, whatever. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. And, you know, when you sleep and when you're out exercising. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. Thank you for your time and uh, we'll stay in touch. Okay. See All right. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye.
And that's a wrap. You've just listened to episode two of the Success Inspired podcast. I just wanted to say thank you for your support, guys. This is a new project of mine, so bear with me as I keep sharpening up my, my interview skills. <laughs> I hope you got some value from listening to me and Nick talking today. I'd love to get your feedback. Please reach out to me on socials and let me know what you enjoyed most. In the next episode, I talk to Tim Hyde, Australia's leading sales and marketing consultant who helped businesses plug the holes in their customer acquisition funnels. We talk about how business should pivot in the current COVID-19 situation we're all experiencing. And uh, we discuss our predictions on how marketing tech will evolve in the next few years with use of artificial intelligence. To get notified about all the upcoming episodes, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Have a great rest of your day and stay inspired, everybody.